Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. And today, my guest is Anne Hintz. She has an amazing background. And sometimes when I say amazing background, it's she's done this or that or this or that. Uh, Her background is actually much more personal. Um, And what she did, what I think is amazing is what I would call the bounce. Um, Before she was 20 years old, when she was 19, there was a hugely traumatic episode in her life. Um, She has bounced from that. She went from a traditional job route also, and is now in a place of uh, inner work and true healing. And I wanted to bring these concepts to you, our audience, uh, because I think we need to be focused on more of our personal power along the way. So with that all said, let me welcome Anne Hintz. Anne, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. You've got quite a story. Um you know, you're coming in out of you're coming out of teenagehood into really finding yourself. And there's this traumatic find instead. Talk a little about what happened. <laughs> okay. Well, that that event when I was 19 was really the culmination of multiple different events that had happened throughout my childhood. So I'll share some of those first because then you can see it's kind of the culmination. Okay. So I was actually adopted um, at six weeks old. And even before that, I was actually born with my right foot up against my right shin. So my first six weeks of life were a form of physical therapy to straighten out my foot. And I had to do that before I could be adopted. And then I was adopted into a family that had just suffered a trauma because they had a two-year-old boy that they had adopted two years earlier. And then they adopted another little girl and they went, I'm sorry, they adopted a a second child, adopted a little girl, but the birth mother changed her mind and they had to hand her back. And I was the replacement into the family for that loss. Oh, (laughs) so it was an interesting story really to learn about it later on. Yes. But um, then we started traveling around the world. We lived in multiple different countries over the years. And when I was like three or four, we actually had a house fire. And I was the one who saw the flames coming in through the ceiling where the bedroom wall met the ceiling. I, I woke up and saw the flames there. So that was a pretty good sized trauma for a young child. And um, at the age of nine, we lived in Hong Kong. And I was sent to boarding school in England and I was sent to a boys boarding school. It was my brother's boarding school. <laughs> and I was the only girl boarder at that point. There were some day girls, you know, they, they would go home at the end of the day and I'd be left with all these boys who would tease me mercilessly. So I experienced that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And in my teenage years, both my parents became alcoholics. So I was very used to walking on eggshells and, um, you know, not, 
trusting what would happen because it would always be different depending on how much they're drunk during the day. So I had that going on too. And then when I was 19, I woke up one morning and found my mother dead on the bathroom floor. So that that was a big trauma. That's a pretty huge trauma. I mean, <laughs> finding a parent, finding a parent who has passed away is a huge trauma. Um, understanding, I mean, growing up in an alcoholic home, you you gain new sensitivities. You gain a kind of a, a hypersensitivity to uh, a key in a in a lock, a footstep. Like you, you, so you have these heightened sensitivities and then at 19, you find your mom dead on the floor of the bathroom. Talk a little bit more about that. Cause. Well, I think, I believe we very much get programmed in those first years of life on how to deal with things, right. In your, in your family, you, you learn whether it's safe to say what you're feeling or not say what you're feeling. And I learned to hold everything inside. We never talked about anything, anything of substance in my mind. We never talked about feelings or emotions. We learned to keep everything inside and just carry on with life. And that's what I did with my mother's death. It was incredibly traumatic at the time. But two weeks later, it just, I, I just carried on with life. I just kept it all inside and just kept going with life. So I know now how much it gets stored inside. It doesn't go anywhere. It just stays inside. So I had a lot inside of me. And when I was 21, I moved out to the States, became mm -hmm. a software engineer, got married, had kids. You know, all this time I did have digestive issues, which, you know, I know can be associated with things that are kept inside. But I kept looking outside of myself to find an answer for that. You know, I changed all sorts of diets and did different things and nothing really worked for very long. Right? Things would work for, you know, a few days, a few weeks maybe, but it always reverted back to how I used to be and that fear that was living inside of me. Mm. So what, was, what was the fear? Was the fear of being found out? Was the fear of being punished for... Uh, having done something wrong one way or the other, too loud, too noisy, not enough, not uh, not enough empathy. Like, what was what was the fear? You think all of those things. It was okay. a combination of everything from my childhood. One mm. big fear I had um, at one point, I started to drive to Berkeley, so it was like a couple of hours drive, two and a half hours each way to go to an orthodontist. And I, every time I was afraid of making that drive. And I realized a couple of things as I did the unwinding process. First, I was afraid of earthquakes because I moved out here in 88 and 89 was the, the Loma Prieta earthquake that I was in. Um, so I had that fear, I had to work through that fear. But even beyond that, then, okay, what's the next fear? There's, there's definitely still some fear there. And eventually I realized it went all the way back to my adoption where I had been handed over mm. someone that I didn't know, left everything that I did know. I'd only been there for six weeks, but left everything that I did know and never returned home. That was the fear that I would leave home and I would never come back again. So that was that deep fear all the way from those first few weeks of my life. Amazing. Amazing. Um, 
when you were handed over, I mean, you were so young, you don't have a verbal memory. Um, there's a physical and somewhat psychic memory that is embodied. Um, when you were handed over, can you look back and say, okay, I have a sense of being well-received, being loved, um, or was there always for you a fear of, um, I could lose this. I could lose this security. I could lose this. Um, I could be abandoned and alone in the world. Well, there were a lot of those feelings. I do not have conscious memory of that time. No. I know the process that I've gone through that we haven't got to yet is, is totally an unwinding of that. It's an opening up of the subconscious mind. So I could hook into that memory, that realization that that's what the fear was. But I don't really have any conscious memories other than the stories, right? I've heard stories from different people. My birth mother's still alive. I, I found out we've, we met each other when I was 17 and she's still alive. So I've heard her stories of what happens. And I know the stories, some of the stories from my adopted parents. So I can work through those with the release techniques that I've done over the years and pick up bits and pieces, but not all of it. Do you feel safe in the world now? Yes, I feel very at peace in the world now. And that's what I was searching for. I was searching for inner peace because I had all these fears. I was very reactionary. You know, I was easily triggered by many, many things. I, I mean, I would say I had PTSD or complex PTSD, I think is what they call it these days, okay. from, you know, from those childhood experiences. And I did not want that. I so wanted to be at peace inside. And I, I've, I'm not fully there yet. There are still some things that trigger me to this day, but I will work with those triggers because I know working with the things that come up is where we can find our peace. Can you talk about that a little bit? The, you know, the, when you're in a space of looking at the triggers sort of objectively, it, it can offer insight for yourself and for those of us listening and, you know, the, the, for audience, right? The listeners, the viewers, the, it's like, you know, not everybody is triggered by the same thing your triggers are are what like what what still gets to you where you go i'm in the space of high alert not safety whatever because now i mean you live your life in peace you know for those that are listening uh and and background is a purple wall um she described her ceiling as green and she has different colors all around her with some very ethereal art on the wall as well. And, and so there's this sort of peaceful vibe that comes through. And that's why I'm saying, so uh, taking that peaceful vibe and being objective, what is it that triggers you currently? Because it's not going to always trigger you. What is it that's a current, you know, for you? My biggest triggers are my boys, right? The safety of my boys. Okay. Close family. <laughs> I think especially for mothers, that's the hardest thing to let go of, to let go of those attachments to things that happen to our closest loved ones. Sure. 
Yeah. So I will use that. I mean, I will use the news now. I spent many years not listening to the news. And I think a lot of people hear that, you know, don't listen to the news if it's going to trigger you. So I didn't. I did my inner work without listening to the news. But then I got to the place that I was I was pretty calm in in my day to day. So I wanted more. I wanted more. <laughs> so I started listening to the news again. And I will notice what triggers me in the news, right? Which politician don't I like? <laughs> and what does that bring up inside of me? And I will notice that and I will feel it. And I, because I realized at this point, emotions are simply energy that has been stuck in the body. So I want to find that energy. I want to feel it and I want to release it. And over the years I've come up with, um, I came through several different steps in the way that I've released the energy, but then it's out of the body. It's actually gone. And then you don't get triggered the same way anymore. So it's, it's totally different. Love that. Okay. So this is great because it dovetails on some, some things for the people that have been following me for a while. Um, they know uh, the audience knows that I have a TEDx talk that has uh, over 1.6 million views on it. And in that talk, I discuss uh, how a parallax perspective can disrupt perceptual bias, which is a really fancy way of saying, what am I missing? Like, if I look at something differently, I'm going to find different things that I've assumed about a situation, another person or myself, right? So the idea of looking at things differently opens doors and pathways that we didn't necessarily have without being deliberate about looking at things differently. The reason I'm bringing that up is, um, that you are talking about looking at your emotions and not just taking them for granted. Oh, I'm mad. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, I am this. It's there's something that causes this. I feel a certain way when I hear a certain politician talking. I feel a certain way when I hear a certain issue being discussed. Might I be missing something about that? What's the trigger? Right. So those are the kinds of questions that you've gone through for yourself. And uh, right, so you're yes, and, yeah. Let me let me jump in there. <laughs> please do. This is and this is awesome. This is what I'm I'm hoping for for our for our podcast. This is what I want. Right. So imagine anger. Right. So I in my childhood suppressed anger. Right. So that's one way of doing it. We can suppress it. Another way of doing it is expressing, like getting angry with something or someone, expressing it outside. The way to find peace is to actually feel the anger. You're not actually suppressing it. You're not expressing it. You're feeling it. It's the middle road. The anger itself is a set of physical sensations in the body, right? If you're feeling angry, where are you feeling it, right? You might feel it in your fists, in your hands. You might feel it in your jaw. You might feel it as tension in your stomach. Where is that anger? Because that those physical sensations are simply energy that has been stuck inside. And if you feel it, you don't suppress it, you don't express it, you actually just feel it, then it will release. Now, it can take some work, it can take some focus and some practice, but it's simply stuck energy. So that's what I find. It's really about finding your truth 
and accepting the truth in each moment and allowing it to release. And that's where it frees up. It actually releases it from the body, right? If you're suppressing it, you're holding it in the body. If you're expressing it, it hasn't gone anywhere, it will come up again. But actually when you feel it, it will release and it will stop coming up so much. It's really hard to believe when you first hear it, when you went, when you start to experience it, it's quite amazing. So I have questions. Good. And, and <laughs> good. Yeah. So if I, if I'm feeling something in my body, are you saying that that is potentially emotion that hasn't been released yet? Or is it just, you know, hey, my back muscles are sore, my jaw muscles are sore, or, uh, you know, I hold my shoulders a certain way, um, that's just tension, or or is that what I, you know, what could be called tension, is that, wow, good inventory on your body, let's see if there's emotion hiding in there. So this is really interesting because it, it comes down to everything is connected, right? So if we're feeling tension in our body, Yes. Yes, it's tension in our body. Yes, there are probably thoughts and emotions and memories attached to it, but we might not necessarily be aware of that, right? And and does it matter? In some respects, it doesn't matter. If we can feel that tension in our shoulders, if we feel it enough, it will release. And as it releases, believe it or not, a memory might pop into your mind of what was stored there with that tension. And it's just releasing. You don't need to do anything about the memory necessarily. To me, it often happens as a place memory. Okay, I'll, I'll remember which country I was in, you know, where I was exactly when that thing, when that tension was stored in my body. And it just kind of pops into my mind and then disappears. I can't do anything with it. I just happen to know that, that something yeah. happened then and it was stored in that place in my body. And you don't do anything with it. Right, it's right because I'm focusing on the tension. And if release. I if I can remember what it was, if I know what happened, then the original <laughs> technique I used and I recommend for people is something called EFT, which is short for emotional freedom technique. It's also called tapping because we tap on certain places in our body as we're talking through something. So if I remembered what the memory was, I would tap through the memory and talk through it. It's it's you know. A lot of people have been to talk therapy. This is really doing it with yourself. And as you're talking through something, you're tapping. And that tapping on the ends of the meridian systems releases the tension that is stored in the nervous system. So it's releasing the energy around that memory. So if you don't, if you have a memory that's traumatic, right, like I did with my mother, I didn't have any physical sensations around it because I was, I, I just, stored everything. I just didn't know what I felt at the time. But I have the memories, I have the the story, so I could tap through the story, which releases some of those layers that were protecting myself. And as I would tap through it, I would become aware of the emotions that I had suppressed. Then I, I could tap through the emotions. Okay, I felt I felt sad, I felt scared, whatever it was, I could tap through the emotions. Over time, I then became aware of the physical sensations that are underneath the emotions. Then I could work at that deeper level. And that's a deeper level of awareness, which brings me back to something you said a little while ago about those perspectives. One of the things that I've realized over the years is that when I started out, 
I did not have a deep level of awareness or perspective, right? But as I've gone through releasing this tension over time, my neck, which used to be very tight, has become loose because it's all connected, right? So as I can move my neck in all sorts of different orientations that I couldn't use before, I can now put myself in the shoes of many other different types of people and see from their perspective that I couldn't before which That's is a great. deeper level of awareness. That's great. Um, let me offer a disclaimer at this point, right? That we're talking about tapping. Um, it is known for being a great way of releasing emotional uh, memories and emotional trauma. It This podcast is not intended to be therapy or to be recommending, uh, to be known for recommending or advising on um, therapy of any sort or offering. Um, I'm just doing a, a kind of a, an impromptu sort of um, disclaimer because we're not promising any life-changing uh, kind of outcomes for you. That said, uh, I've experienced tapping and I would I would invite, not advise, I would invite anybody who's interested in exploring that because uh, the tapping technique is very interesting. It, um, it, it provides a different focus than most people are used to. Um, it opens, you know, there's, uh, it is purported to open meridians. Awesome. You have to figure out if you uh, like the idea of uh, Eastern meets Western kind of concepts. Um, with all that said, anything that you can do to release trauma might be worth exploring. And anything you can do to release and recognize connectivity might be worth exploring. So um, I've experienced tapping. It's uh, I. I use it personally for energizing, um, breathing and tapping and breathing and tapping and deliberately uh, bringing my awareness to an energetic space of let's go, right? There's, uh, <laughs> there are things to do today. Let's go, <laughs> right? So... You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. How did you find tapping and, and um, you know, if you were to kind of offer a book or a program that 
people can use to explore it, what, where would you guide them? Okay, so the first time I experienced tapping, I'd actually had what I call a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at my boys' school. And okay. this was the beginning of, of the change for me. It was so intense. They told me I'd done something wrong. I didn't think I'd done anything wrong. And my mind just spun out of control. It just went over and over. Everything they'd said and I'd said, what I could have said, what I could have done different, like for three days, it was so intense. I knew I had to change. Something had to change. And in that time frame, I actually went to a doctor's appointment. Now he was a holistic physician. So he had more tools in his toolbox than many physicians do. But he recognized I was more stressed than I should be, given that I was a stay-at-home mother with two young boys, right? And healthy young boys. They knew he knew my boys. And he recognized I was more stressed. So he asked me on a scale of zero through 10 what my stress level was. And I said eight. And then he asked me why. And that's when I realized oh, it was finding my mother dead on the bathroom floor when I was 19. Now at this point, I'm in my late 30s, right? So those tears from that event was still just under the surface decades mm -hmm. later so he tapped with me he tapped with me about my mother's death for about 15 minutes and let those tears flow and afterwards on my way home i realized i could tell the story of her death in my mind for the first time ever without the tears there and that's when i realized okay this is very powerful and I realized, oh, those memories and those emotions, they're just stored physically in our body. And if we know how to do it, we can let them go. And so that, that's where my journey started. And I used EFT on myself. I learned everything about it that I could. I tried it out. I had a cat at home at the time who was 17 years old and his kidneys were starting to fail. And I wanted to try out this technique because I had to give him a saline injection, like an injection every day. And the first day, my hand was shaking so badly. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it every day. Right. So if you're a business owner or something, you can probably relate to this. There's maybe some things that you don't want to do each day. So I tapped. I tapped about every aspect. I tapped about my hand shaking. I tapped about my fear of hurting my cat. And I tapped about all the memories from all the injections I had had as a child. And the next day, when I gave him the shot, the needle slid right in. And that's when I realized, okay, this is really powerful. And I, I'm going to start using this. So I tapped through every, I wrote down every emotional memory I could think of from my childhood. And I tapped through one each night for about an hour to an hour and a half each night. And my whole experience of life changed. And it, it was just huge. That's a lot of tapping. When, I was determined. <laughs> when you first started telling this story, I thought you were going to say you tapped on your cat. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad it was. I wrote it down and I decided to do, you know, uh, it's in some ways, like if you step back from the tapping piece, it's like, okay, I did a, I did a physical um, process while meditating on a very specific item and the tapping may or may not release energy. Um, I'm going to say from my experience, it does from, you know, from your experience, it does. The, the thing is that, that uh, you're focused on a very specific thing for an hour to an hour and a half. And when you do that, you, you do get a chance to 
kind of see it from a different, from all angles, right? From all different perspectives. And it, it can absolutely, uh, it loses its potency. You know, if you're, not, if you're not sucked into it, it loses its potency. It is now just a neutral event, right? You're looking yeah. at it clearly. You're opening up that wound, which is actually physically inside of us, right? That, that memory, my mother's death was a wound inside of me that needed opening up and needed looking at very clearly, very closely. And as you do it, that, you know, that's why I spent the time because you start looking at a memory, you tap through it more memories, more details of the memory will come up and then you can tap through that, right? So you're opening it up layer by layer by layer until you're right, until it just becomes a story. It's just something that happens. It's no emotions anymore. And that's, to me, that's how you can tell EFT is working. It actually provides feedback, right? Many people will yawn as they start releasing energy. Some people will burp. It becomes easier to tell the story if the tears, if you release the tears, right, and you're not as upset anymore, you can tell the story without the emotions there. You know things have shifted when you can tell the story, and it's just a story like you're reading from a book. But if you if you hold your breath or if you write, you, if there's emotion coming up inside of you, there's still something to release. Now, in terms of looking at something um, about EFT, Gary Craig was the original person who developed EFT and he has videos out there. I have a video on my YouTube channel which goes through it in detail because there are a lot of videos on EFT out there where you're you're actually tapping through a script, someone else's words, or you're tapping through something positive. Now, ideally you want to use your own words because it's your experience they're your emotions you need to put words to what you're feeling and release that that's where the power is and and the power of eft in my experience is working with the negative it's the negative that's stored inside our body as darkness the positive isn't stored there the same way i'm not quite sure where it's stored and um, but i can see at this point, I can sense inside my body and I can sense the negative there as darkness, as tension. And that's what we want to focus on. But you can tap on the positive, but what it's working on is your resistance to it, to that positive. Yeah, so it's always working makes on the sense. negative. Yeah, makes sense. So um, the the idea, as we were talking a little bit before uh, before recording this, and um, just bringing the idea that our mind and body, the integration is so powerful. It's so powerful. And it can, uh, it can allow us to experience things and let go of things that we have experienced in ways that we haven't done yet, right? And so the idea is explore, right? That... that um, EFT has been around for a few decades now, and um, it's uh, it is more and more accepted as wow, right? That that there's an easy access. It's sort of like, um, in some ways, acupuncture was was thought of as really weird, and then acupuncture is a thing that is practiced here in in you know, uh, East meets West Mm -hmm. and acupressure is now practiced and tapping is now practiced. And so, um, 
Yeah. Tapping um, is a form of acupressure because you really are tapping on those places. Yeah. And there have yeah. been many, many studies these days you know, that show the benefits of it, which I've always loved to hear about. But actually, last weekend, I went with a group of friends who also tap and we had our EEGs taken, right? Our brain waves were you know, put on a screen, we could see the charts and how things were moving. And we, we had, um, we did six minutes of, of just open eyes, close eyes, and then we did three minutes of tapping. And then we checked our brain waves again. And it was amazing to see it on the screen to see the amplitude of our brain waves expand just after three minutes of tapping. So yeah, that was fun. Amazing. That's amazing. I, I love studies like that. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it doesn't cost anything and it doesn't hurt, uh, you know, so it's sort of like, <laughs> um, and it's just, it's as simple as like the way you would drum your fingers on a, on a, uh, table top, you would drum that at the top of your, at the top of your head, at your eyebrows, at your, under your eyes, under your nose. Um, and, and I do, I, I appreciate it. Um, and so I would in, encourage, Right, while not offering advice on how, but also encouraging our listeners to explore further. And you said Gary, what was his last name? Was the founder Craig C R A I G? I linked to some of his videos from my video. Awesome, good deal, amazing. If you were to say like the one thing that you know, you it's like look from all my stories from all of my efforts from all of the work I've done on me, the gift I would give the audience is like this piece of knowledge. What is that? Well, understanding that emotions are simply stuck energy is is something you can work with in your mind and that can allow you to look at it. But the first thing, the first step I always suggest is just start noticing when you become emotional. I don't get caught up in the emotions, just start noticing that. That is the first step. And it's the step that continues all the way, right? So even at this point, so we, we hadn't really got into my story, but let me just tell you where I am right now, just so people know how far we can go with this work. So at this point, I can put my awareness inside my body. I can put my awareness on the connective tissue or inside the bones in my head. And I can focus on that tension there and allow it to be just accept it, which is what we were doing with the EFT. We're just accepting the memories or the emotions or the physical sensations. Right now I'm actually inside the physical body itself and can release that tension. And my skull has changed, right? My eye sockets are more aligned. My neck is straighter than it has ever been. My jaw was way off to the side. It's now more centered. I have more to do for sure, but I have x-rays that show the changes that have happened. And I have grown three quarters of an inch in the last few years because I've released that tension in the body. So we have this amazing power within us that I had no idea was possible before. And we can all do it. And all it takes is noticing how we're feeling and then feeling it, not suppressing it, not expressing it, just feeling it. And that can take us deeper and deeper and deeper into ourselves. Love it. Um, Because that's the idea of notice 
without attachment, right? That's that's a it's a uh, very Eastern kind of concept, right? But that's a very subtle difference, right? Because notice without attachment could be suppress the attachment, right? What we want to notice is what the attachment is, and then feel the attachment and release it, awesome. so that then we can notice with no attachment. The attachment is to attach to outcome. So the idea is notice without trying to control an outcome, that would be the attachment. And and the way you've explained it is um, notice. <clears throat> the way you've explained it is notice if there is an attachment and then explore that, like explore, just explore. I, I love the idea. I mean, I'm a huge fan of curiosity. When you're in a place of curiosity, you stay out of judgment. And so if it's just notice, just be curious, just, you know, go as an explorer and see what is versus try and label what is, just explore. How fun is that? It's amazing. <laughs> yes, feel. Yeah, one of the phrases I think you've used in the past is, what others think of me is none of my business. Yes, well, right. I, got, I got that from Wayne Dyer, right? So, right. Uh, so uh, there's a subtlety to that too, right? Yeah. Yes. What others think of me is none of my business, but what I think they are thinking is my business, right? How <laughs> I feel about what I think they're thinking is my business. We'll, it's always bringing it back to ourselves and how yes. we feel. Yeah. Good. That's powerful. Um, amazing. All right. And so uh, what didn't I ask you that I should, that you were hoping I would, or, you know, what, what didn't we cover that you were hoping we would talk about? I guess now that you say that one thing that, that I love about this journey that I think a lot of people don't realize is first of all, how much fun it is. It feels so good to open up our wounds and release the energy that is stuck inside. Right. So it got to the point where I didn't want to do anything else because it was so much fun to do this work. Most people are afraid of that. Like the first step of, oh my gosh, what am I going to uncover? And it's going to bury me and I'm going to be flooded with emotions. And and now it's like, no, it's just kind of fun to explore. Like, Yeah. Well, especially once you realize explore. it's just energy that's stuck in the body. So then, okay, what's next? Right. What else can I let go of? <laughs> because it feels really good. And, and also, as you move along the journey, things change. Life gets easier, it gets better, it gets more fun, more peaceful, and it gets deeper, right? There is so much depth to life that I had no idea existed before. And most of us don't because we don't have that depth within ourselves. And once we have that awareness deep inside ourselves, we also have awareness of what's happening outside of ourselves so we can see why things are happening and and why people are reacting the way they do and it's just it makes life more fun and more fulfilling and uh, dare i say you step into a place of power for yourself absolutely right? okay so one of the things that i talk about in my first book um, the, the last chapter I, I call spiraling toward freedom. And the concept I bring there is that it's like this, this growing loop, which becomes a spiral of awareness leads to choice, right? And your choice of how to respond, your choice of what you become aware of again, 
awareness leads to choice and choice leads to greater awareness. And so it's, it's not that you're in a circle, it's that you're in an expanding spiral and you're spiraling up so that when you look back, you can, you're not in the same place, you're up and, and you're actually looking back down at a tinier version of you. So awareness leads to choice and choice leads to greater awareness. And it's, uh, that is where life gets more fun. You do become more powerful in yourself and in the world. And that's great. That's great. I'm glad you said life gets fun and that it's a fun journey. It's like, you know, that's, it's a, it's a uh, great comment to make. Well, it's so much nicer to sit in peace than to be reactionary and afraid of everything that's going to happen. Yeah. So true. Um, so if people want to ask you questions or to see your videos, um, you're on YouTube. Yes, I have a YouTube channel and hints. And I do a live uh, spiritual conversation is what I call it every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time that anyone's welcome to join me on. I haven't had many people join yet, but I'm looking forward to uh, more people joining. But I, I do. That's on YouTube. You do the live on YouTube or live on another social platform. It's live on Zoom, but it shows up as on my Facebook page. Okay. So I have a public Facebook page. And I love to share things on there. Um, my interpretation of some of the spiritual concepts that are shared these days Um <laughs> I try and put my spin on that. So you're welcome to um, look at that too. Follow me there on Facebook. I also have a book that's called The Pathway to Insight, which goes through the different steps that I went through to get to where I am now. Um, so that's for people who want more in-depth information. But I have I share a lot of my story on my YouTube videos. Okay. Well, uh, <clears throat> the show notes will have the link to your YouTube. And um, again, The Pathway to Insight is the name of your book. And people can find you at Ann Hints on H-I-N-C-E on A-N-N. There's no E on that. So it's A-N-N-H-I-N-C-E on YouTube, on Facebook, and uh, when looking for your, for your book, The Pathway to Insight. Yeah. And I have a webpage, AnnHints.com, and the x-rays are on there so you can see how powerful we are. Amazing. Amazing. All right. And hints.com as well. Good. Anything else? Or are we pretty much wrapped at this point? <laughs> I think that's good. That was great. That was a great conversation. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. And hints has been my guest. Thank you, Anne. Appreciate it. Thank you. All righty. This is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. I have had Anne hints as my guest. I am Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach, and we'll see you again here next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor.